Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Adventure Games Podcast. I hope everybody is well. This week I am joined by David and Andre from Critique Gaming developers of the 2019 hit adventure game Interrogation, You Shall Be Deceived. Thankfully, there was no need for me to actually interrogate these two gentlemen, as they did not try to deceive me. In fact, they were very honest and truthful, and they were only too willing to speak about their game. So, in this interview, they spoke about their inspirations, they spoke about what their objectives are, what they how they achieve the visual style and the gameplay mechanics plus much much more now this interview in this interview there are no spoilers but we, they also did a spoiler special which will be available for our patreon subscribers and more about that a little bit later on so in the meantime please enjoy this interview thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the adventure games podcast I am here with Andre and David of Critique Gaming, the developers of Interrogation. You shall be deceived. So, hello, Andre and David. How are you guys doing today? Hi there. Hi there. Uh, awesome, and thanks for having us. No worries at all. So, the voice you heard was from Andre, who is one of the developers of the game. And uh, now I said before uh, we started recording, I... I hope to get information out of you guys. I hope it won't be as stressful as the interrogations in the game, and I hope I don't have to turn off the recording at any point, because <laughs> we know in the game that doesn't end well for the people. <laughs> um, okay, I promise I won't make too many jokes about that. But, um, so I was wondering if you guys could introduce yourselves first to let the listeners know who you are. So, Andre, since uh, we heard from you first, would you like to... Go first and tell us a little bit about who you are and what your favorite adventure or narrative games are. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so, hi everyone. Uh, uh, I'm Andre. I am uh, the studio lead at uh, Critique Gaming. Uh, this means that I uh, I try to organize the rowdy bunch that we are, uh, and uh, in most cases, uh, managing to do so. Uh, um, and uh, I must say that uh, for me, adventure uh, games have been something that I haven't played a lot when I was young. Uh, I don't know. It so happened that the games that my parents uh, brought home were not necessarily adventure games. And then when uh, I, my friends didn't really play a lot of adventure games, but I uh, got more excited uh, in the genre uh, more recently. Um, like in the past, let's say, uh, seven or eight years. Um, and so I I like the more, um, let's say, uncommon uh, and uh, genre-bending uh, examples of, of, of adventure games, but also some more classic ones. For, for example, uh, Oxenfree and Firewatch uh, have been some games that I really enjoyed. Um, but I also enjoyed games that had the more um, 
a hard topics angle, like uh, Orwell, for example, which I know it's not with moving a character around, but you are going for the story of a number, a number of characters, intellectually engaging experience, which is something that I appreciate. Yeah, well, certainly, um, your game interrogation is certainly a, a, a genre bending game. Um, okay, well, thank you, Andre and David. Do you want to? Do the same, just say a little bit who you are and what your favorite, well, adventure narrative games are, if you have any. Sure. Uh, I'm David. I'm the uh, creative lead for Critique. I do the narrative design and game design. Um, as a favorite, I have to pick uh, the Stanley Parable uh, in what it does and says, uh, sort of in the same direction of... of trying to do more as a game, illustrating so much what else games can do other than what they usually do uh, as little adventure toys. Uh, if they actually can study a topic, that's amazing. And uh, obviously, uh, for a game developer especially, the meta-commentary in, uh, in the Stanley Parable m might be uh, pretentious, but definitely uh, valuable and attractive. Yeah, I haven't played that either, but I have heard about it, uh, Stanley Parable, that, again, it's another genre, you know, bending game as well, that it's not the typical adventure game that, you know, you guys mentioned. So uh, I begin to see that uh, the kind of games that you guys are used to are games that kind of, what I would say, break the rules or maybe might not be classified in one genre or another. And so it seems like this is kind of where interrogation is coming from because interrogation is not like any game that I've ever played uh, even though it has conversational puzzles and you know dialogue puzzles but the way that we go with the puzzles and then with the story as well we don't really see in many games as well so were some of the games that you guys mentioned were there maybe influences on you guys uh, for the story or for the game so certainly we're the kind of people that do appreciate whenever anything tries to push the medium forward, uh, be it books or movies. Uh, if it tries to kind of break a bit the chains that the industry has already set, um, I personally, and I know David as well, will appreciate that. So uh, to a certain extent, that's why I think both of us mentioned games that were more genre-bending. It doesn't mean that other games, that, that there weren't other adventure games that we loved, of course. But these were ones that we appreciated also kind of artistically or as game developers as well. Um, and, and to go back uh, a bit to, uh, to your question, uh, yeah, of course, uh, many things have been inspirational for interrogation from TV shows like detective TV shows mm. to old school uh, detective literature to all sorts of more of games that uh, have appeared and have tried to uh, and showed us how much you can innovate in in gameplay uh, and and I think David could, could uh, even give more specific examples of some let's say sources of inspiration for particular design uh, that he made. Essentially, uh, because the game is neo-noir in, in the language it uses visually and in terms of uh, sound and conventions, uh, noir content, neo-noir especially, like uh, the Sin City comic books and um, 
movie where key uh, procedurals like Law and Order and all of those detective shows uh, were important. In terms of games, you, you mentioned Papers, Please. And indeed, Papers, Please is an important um, benchmark for interrogation because it really dared to do a new kind of gameplay. And that's a really scary thing, like asking the players to learn a game from scratch. Because, because the typical game today is like its genre with some changes. Uh, and having a player just learn a new game from scratch was something that uh, Papers, Please bravely did, bravely taught the player. Uh, and it was important, an important uh, benchmark for us to see that, yes, we can take on this scary task of teaching the player a new game. Yeah, because, in, I mean, in theory, Papers, Please is kind of a game that shouldn't work because you're playing a border agent just stamping passports. Mm-hmm. And I, I admit, when I first heard of the game, I thought, oh, this sounds really boring. This sounds terrible. And But then I read more about it, and it was winning all of these awards, and it was getting such high praise that I said, okay, I'll, I'll buy it and check it out myself. And it turned out to be one of my favorite games of all time. And I thought, this this is yeah. great. But, um, you know, as, as you mentioned, it's, you know, that it, it really pulls you in as well. And it's the concept is so simple that you are yeah. stamping passports and then the story isn't really that complicated either. But, you know, you get so involved in the game and with the character and, you know, with this whole concept as well that you really want to succeed. And... You know, then, you know, it's similar with inter- interrogation, that interrogation, it's, I mean, there are other parts of the resource management, it's mainly about the interrogation, but then you get so involved and pulled into the story that you really want to succeed. And um, and I wanted to ask you as well, David, because I see in your website or on the, web, the Critique Gaming's website that you have a master's in law, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, a master's in European law. Well, okay, because another thing I noticed about interrogation is it felt very realistic. <laughs> so yeah. did, did you use your master's in European law when writing for the game? Uh, I did, uh, and a lot more than that. Uh, Dexter right. also has uh, one in security sciences, and uh, of course we did a lot of homework. Uh, we, we looked at what real agencies use when dealing with terrorism we looked at uh, what real police departments and kept as much realism as we could obviously shortcuts need to be made for it to be a playable game because if you were being purely realistic the amounts of paperwork would be staggering <laughs> and the inter- interrogations would be eight hour long uh endurance fests um but yeah we we took uh, we put in as much realism as we could while keeping uh, the fun yeah, and, and to a certain extent, uh, the the elements that uh, kind of interrogation tries a bit to study, let's say, uh, things about how um, you grow a movement, how the Liberation Front grows, uh, what are its uh, ideological cornerstones, the way in which it convinces people and, and infiltrates into their minds. I think those are the, uh, the places uh, where... We also did a lot of study beyond, let's say, uh, how the how police works, uh, and with uh, obviously shortcuts. And uh, it's not a it's not a let's say uh, it's not a PhD in ideology. <laughs> it's not, and it doesn't try to be that, but it tries to be suggestive uh, to how uh, ideology actually does uh, does spread 
uh, and um, how society molds around it um, and a number of other smaller things. Uh, and we tried to do our research uh, for that, to do our homework uh, and to come, uh, let's say, in the game prepared both for players that are newer to the topic and also for players that have also studied themselves the topic so that we're not really caught off guard. And just just to quickly build on that, uh, we want to give it a certain simulation quality in the sense of showing what the pressures are around a job like this, what the pressures are around such a big challenge like dealing with terrorism. Like for a parallel with Papers, Please, my favorite part of Papers, Please is not the uh, checking of papers, but the uh, embedded sense of what it is like to be under an oppressive leadership and regime. And because that's what's, to, to me anyway, more valuable in Papers, Please. So in interrogation, of course, you have to manipulate your suspects, and that's a key part. But understanding all of the pressures from all of these angles, press, authorities, uh, the public, uh, your own conscience, uh, all of these pressures uh, were what, what, what actually it becomes about when you're done doing your job of manipulating out some confessions. Yes, no, that's, uh, that's a very good point that, that you guys make because, you know, I certainly, while I do have an interest in these topics, I'm certainly not an expert and, you know, more an amateur as well. But the game was very accessible. It's, I, I never felt lost in it as well, even with the discussions of the different, well, different ideologies because I found it wasn't just one in the game, but different ideologies in the game from different people. And I felt, yeah, no, I could... You know, I can agree with these people and I can, oh, but I also agree with these other people's points. But at no point did I feel that, oh, I'm completely lost. So I think that's definitely one thing that you guys do well. And then you mentioned about papers, please, as well, that, uh, you know, what it feels like to live in an oppressive regime. Uh, this kind of, yeah, this, I suppose, might be the opposite, maybe, because what, you know, the terrorist organization if you will the liberation front you know you could argue maybe that maybe at least some of them are fighting to escape from an oppressive regime and then you're exactly. part of the police so then your mo your motivations in the game are well hang on a second should we be you know i love the morality of the game you know sh should we be uh, arresting these people or are they are they right <laughs> You know, I love these questions. It's, well, the game itself, it looks black and white, but the morality is not black and white. So, um, but uh, now before we talk more about the game, I was also interested in me to ask you first, um, Andre, you said you're one of the co-founders of the studio Critique Gaming. And I was wondering if you could talk very uh, briefly about how you, co how you founded this studio and what you guys want to do in the future as well. And, um, you know, what kind of games you wanted. So what were your objectives when you founded the studio? Very easy question, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, the studio is called Critique Gaming um, for a reason. <laughs> like uh, we, we were deliberate in the choice of words uh, because uh, it suggests the kind of games that we set out uh, to do. Uh, me, David, and Marius, uh, the three of us, uh, founded it. Uh, we know each other for a long time. Uh, we've been uh, doing uh, competitive debating together, like uh, going to uh, debate competitions. Uh, and um, we, we worked together in an NGO in which we taught uh, 
high schoolers how to do debate. Uh, and uh, so we, we were the kind of people that liked discussing the topics and we were gapers. Uh, and kind of these two things, they were like, we want games that discuss meaty topics. Uh, these are the kind of games that we would like to have more of. And being in this kind of particular niche of gamers, we understood uh, the fact that there's not uh, an abundance of such games, but more rather the opposite. Uh, and we were like, we have some experience in uh, all of the areas of, of developing developing a game and we want to make these kind of games and there's not a lot of them so let's make them <laughs> you know uh and this is what to a certain extent what we set out to do uh, to make a studio that tries to make games that uh try to open up conversations on relevant topics to uh offer some insight into uh some hard questions uh raise some relevant thoughts in the minds of the players uh make to a certain extent their uh, fun and interesting activity also an intellectually meaningful one uh and yeah that's kind of what we set out to do we founded gritty gaming as a consequence of that yeah no i, I think you've certainly succeeded at least in the first game to you know uh, discuss these meaty topics because as, as I mentioned as well now we spoke a little bit uh, earlier about experimental types of games and you know we've mentioned Papers, Please, Stanley Parable and I kind of assume because I, I love classic adventure games as well you know third person point and click you know I'll eat that up but then mm -hmm. also if I see a game that is different that tries something different and to experiment now it might not always work because there are occasions when uh, you know, games try something different, doesn't always work, but at least I admire the ambition of the developers and to try something, not just with adventure games, but even as you mentioned with movies as well, with TV series, with books. And and that's what I noticed with, with interrogation as well, that because I love you know, conversation puzzles in games and I love these meaty topics and these ideological topics as well. And so I thought, oh, this game would be... Uh, you know, perfect for me. And I don't know if I mentioned when we were recording or before, but when Thomas and Laura were first reviewing the game, this is before I played it, and I mentioned, you know what I'd really love in an adventure game or in any game is when you're dealing with terrorists, you don't just go and shoot them, but you negotiate with them. You negotiate with yeah, people who have taken hostages. And Thomas said, oh, there's a situation kind of like that in this game. And I said, oh, I really... Uh, you know, this, this game sounds like it's for me then. So, uh, so and I spoke about having these meaty topics in the game itself. So I just wanted to, to ask you guys, uh, maybe, David, how you came up with the idea for interrogation itself, for the interrogation parts of the game, which are the main parts of the game, because they're quite complex mm -hmm. uh, in a good way. Um, I think you really have to think about the questions you have to ask and how to get the people to give the answers that you want and how you go about it. You know, are you empathetic? Do you use guile or do you use intimidation? Do you bend the rules? So I just wanted to, to ask how you guys came up with the idea to do it this way. And um, yeah. <laughs> so the first step to interrogation uh, emerging was uh, at a game jam. Uh, we, the theme for the game jam was under the surface 
and people were doing uh, underwater games and little duels underground and that sort of thing. And we wanted to, of course, put a, a pretentious spin on it and ask ourselves what bigger thing can we do? And we asked ourselves, what is under the surface of people? What is a game that looks under the surface of people? And this gameable scenario for looking under the surface of people that we could identify was to look under the surface of people in an interrogation moment. It also is a signature trope. People will recognize it. Uh, and uh, for the game jam, we did a little interrogation uh, with three simple suspects, uh, as realistic as we could in game jam parameters. Beyond that, uh, we then took it home and decided this could be a real game and uh, got to work on it. And we then determined other things we wanted from it. Uh, one was that we wanted to be a realistic uh, simulation-like game. And we've actually noticed this with the game. Um, it really works that way, as in people who get immersed in the game, who sit down and imagine themselves in that situation, really talking to another real person, do pretty well performance-wise. And people who kind of don't, people who are clicking through a game, trying to solve a little toy, they will fail or be slower at the game because uh, they're not putting themselves for real in this situation. So we're happy with uh, getting that dynamics. And of course, beyond that, going to the grander story of the game, uh, what you mentioned earlier, bad guys are simple, evil, uh, black and white bad guys. Uh, and that's rarely the case in reality. In reality, uh, typically you're dealing with other people who think they're doing the right thing in their own way, from their own point of view. And we wanted to explore that. What if defeating your enemy is understanding them and you will not advance unless you understand your enemy? Uh, and uh, yeah, it was the challenge of making that gameable. Yeah, so so then you came up with, with the way and then with the... Uh, conversation puzzles because then you there are times when you speak to three different suspects at once and you have to try and get you know one to make a uh, comment and then you use their comment on another suspect but it's interesting what you say to people who imagine themselves to be really detected because when i when i was playing the game i didn't want to just click everything and see, you know, I, sometimes I did, but I wanted to imagine myself as an officer in this situation. And I was thinking, okay, how, how will I deal with this? How will I get them to give us the answers? And so I had my own character pretty clear from the beginning. So I decided to be empathetic. And another thing we haven't touched on yet is that you can decide the type of officer that you would be because you're given these cards and these options for who you are. Are you empathetic? Do you understand their ideology? Get to know them a little bit more, be empathetic with them, or do you uh, intimidate them as well? So I was the more empathetic and I got to get to know them. And I found myself, at least at the, the cu first couple of interrogations, that I was succeeding. Now I was in the, I did play in the easy mode, I admit at first, um, without the time limit. But I still felt, oh, I couldn't, you know, maybe I could have done this with the time limit. <laughs> so, um, and I wanted to ask you guys about that as well. So there are two different options in the game. So there's the, I think, the narrative uh, option and then the more challenging option. Uh, can, you, can either of you guys talk a little bit about why you decided to come up with these two difficulty options? Was this based on feedback or was this what you guys wanted to do from the beginning? So it's not really based on feedback as much as it's based on observation. Uh, we did, so 
people are aware in other genres of their natural or not necessarily natural, but of their trained skills or not. You know, for example, uh, David knows he's really bad uh, at platformers. And I know that I'm worse than David at strategy <laughs> games. And I know this uh, because I've played strategy games and I've encountered challenges before and I know. But people in such a kind of non-specific to a genre kind of game, everyone thinks they're uh, obvious. I, I know I can talk to people, right? But in fact, people do come from different backgrounds. Uh, they have different experiences and thus uh, they, A, might be just naturally more, more talented at it than other people. But secondarily, some people may just want an easier experience and other people may just want a harder experience. Because really, the, the, the interrogation challenge one is meant to be frustrating at times for anyone. It's an intended design uh, because interrogations in real life are a frustrating challenge for anyone. <laughs> um, so we realized that some people may want different types of experiences when ex uh, when going through the game and we wanted to uh, just cover, just allow more people to enjoy it in their own way. Uh, so we made two quotes. <laughs> uh, and more than that, it's also, it's not just a question of like the real skills these people have in real life. It's also a text-based game. And... Uh, Reading comprehension is something that goes on a scale, uh, and people with English as a second language, as a foreign language, will have a different kind of experience. Uh, and we wanted to factor that in. But uh, a note I do want to make, though, is that uh, episodes that are timed and untimed are timed and untimed in both versions. It doesn't yeah. make uh, timed ones untimed or the other way around. The main differences are with how easily these subjects open up and with the fact that there are hints that come up on screen to instruct you how you might want to think about this uh, to guide to guide your way. Uh, and there are things that, you know, essentially uh, the narrative mode doesn't expect you to be a cop. It uh, teaches you what a cop would know, that you might want to be looking for motive, that you might want to be looking for opportunity and means, while the challenge mode doesn't uh, simulate that uh, policeman training. And we want people to have access to these, to the the both the challenging uh, simulation gameplay, but also to all the uh, ethical and moral choices, which is why we're even working uh, right now on a third uh, mode of play, which would be a visual novel kind of play, in which there's virtually uh, no the, the interrogations are infallible. They you you essentially go to the next question in a natural sense, but you have all sorts of choices to make along the way, just like in the, the other two modes, in which you make ethical choices along the way, strategy choices along the way, but uh, you never get stuck because the game does keep you going through to the next question all the time. Yeah. Inter interesting. So a third mode you're working on. That's uh, <laughs> uh, interesting because you mentioned there that, uh, you know, visual novel mode, because it did, look kind of you know visually to kind of look like a visual novel at least outside the interrogation when you're speaking with the other detectives but it's it also because what you know my issue with 
Vigilant, I haven't played many of them, but my issue is that there's a huge amount of dialogue in these games. Now, with this game, there is as well, but you are more involved. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, deciding, you know, especially with the interrogation topics as well. So, um, oh, no, that's yeah, interesting. So, I suppose then we can then talk about the visual side of the game, since uh, we mentioned the visual novel side. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, you know, as we mentioned, it's in black and white as well. Uh, looks neo-noir. So, how do you guys come up with this aesthetic of the game? And, you know, who whose decision was it, that, or did was it a team decision to come up with this style of the game? So, style? Um, it was, to a certain extent, uh, from the get-go, it was a black and white game, because the illustrator that uh, was part of the team at the time this was her style. Um, so that was like in the, the I'm talking about the, the game jam version. Uh, but then we realized that there's value to that because the topic is noir. The general, I don't know, uh, cinematogra- cinematography genre, if this were in any cinematography genre, would be neo-noir. Uh, so why not kind of stick to uh, to black and white? It certainly fitted the game's theme, uh, made it look serious as it is. Uh, and then later on, we uh, came up with the idea of um, actually having uh, real actors uh, as the basis for the game's uh, animations and characters. Yes, yeah, so, so you mentioned there that you had real actors, because when you're in the interrogations, they certainly look very realistic with realistic expressions. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about how you did that. Was it rotoscoped, I believe, or am I incorrect? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah exactly. Uh, so how it uh, works, like the, the process that we used was uh, we made this huge photo shooting session with more than 40 actors uh, and we had props and yeah, it was a photo shoot uh, what can I say it took us a couple of weeks to finish uh, at the end we had a huge database of uh, pictures of these people doing different gestures uh, and then we handpicked uh, particular gestures uh, to fit the character and particular, uh, let's say, uh, frames, because uh, obviously the animation is not uh, like 30 frames a second. Uh, it's much fewer, uh, but carefully picked so that uh, it has more either a style rather than just uh, looking up forward. And then after picking these uh, all these um, uh, frames, uh, our artist carefully drew over each and every one of these more than uh, 2,000 frames. Uh, So there's uh, quite a large amount, uh, added all sorts of other uh, elements to them that were not in the initial, let's say, shoot. Uh, Like not everything that you see on a character was actually there on um, on the actor. Uh, sometimes things were added in the post-production, let's say. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's kind of the process. It was pretty uh, pretty lengthy and arduous and uh, complicated, to be honest. Yes, it sounds very 
difficult and painful actually to, to for you guys because it, it it looks great and I'm happy that you went with this way. But was there ever a time where you thought, oh, this is a lot of work. Maybe we should have gone maybe a more traditional way or uh, were you guys fully committed uh, from from beginning to do it this way? Uh, we, ha- we had uh, <laughs> we had all sorts of moments in which we we were looking at the workload ahead, and it was a, a scary vantage. But um, there even was a point at which we shrunk the game. Uh, the game now roughly has uh, ten episodes, as it were, ten major interrogations, um, and it was originally planned for twelve, and we contracted that to the uh, more essential ten. Um, and maybe in hindsight, we would have shrunk it even further. But we set out, a, we had a narrative plan for the game, for what narrative beats the game needs to go through. And uh, once we had started building that, we needed to to execute all of it. Um, and as 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 much labor as it was to do this with the real actors, uh, it, it was also an easing of our work in, at the same time, in the sense that if we were, let's say, purely drawing them from scratch, uh, we would have had big, long talks about what is a disgusted gesture. Does this character look disgusted? Is this disgusted? Doesn't look disgusted to me. Looks very <laughs> disgusted to you. And that can be a whole day uh, in a game dev studio. Uh, this way, we have the actor be disgusted, we have him give us three options for a disgusted reaction, and we pick one, and conversation is over. Yeah, uh, and I think this also helped us a bit with, uh, like, writing. Uh, like, having having these uh, these actors, uh, so we had, um, the photo shoot was done before uh, most, like, 90% of the writing even started. Uh, which meant that when we were writing, we were looking at the frames and we were like allowing ourselves to be to a certain extent inspired uh, by how this person looks like into kind of figuring out how do they speak? What are their speech patterns? Uh, what are the topics they're comfortable with, topics they're not comfortable with? Uh, how do they talk when they're afraid? How, how easily can they get afraid? All these things, uh, having actual, you know, people with faces and uh, body uh, movements were very helpful in, uh, in, in writing them. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's mentioned, funny you mentioned about how they, you know, look, what, you know, disgusted, but then to another person, they don't look disgusted as well. But it, I think it, overall, it definitely worked visually. Uh, because you can, you know, if you ch- tell with the uh, visual expressions, you know, how they're feeling and, oh, they're getting nervous, I'm on the right track, or maybe mm-hmm. I need to step back a little bit. Uh, it, ra- it reminds me a little bit, now it's still different, I think, but was L.A. War an inspiration for this uh, type of game, or was it just that uh, you wanted to do it this way um, without we- L.A. War? We absolutely looked at Lenar. We had to. We it's the game closest, uh, the closest direct comparison uh, for the game. Uh, we we enjoyed Lenar, but we also wanted in interrogation a to do all of that with a lot fewer resources, mm-hmm. but more importantly b uh, to get what we didn't get from Lenar that we wanted to get, which was this this sense of. Um, 
uh, let's call it high responsibility for uh, your your choices in the interrogation. Uh, we wanted to have a, a, a more clear fail win states uh, and more clear success and failure and uh, your freedom to go wherever you want to uh, even wider. Uh, but yes, obviously we looked at the Lenoir. We took what was uh, we, we we took what was good. Uh, looked at that. We chose what we want to change. Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And in the interrogation scenes itself, one thing we haven't touched on yet is as well as the visual reaction of the characters and of the actors. Now it also tells you that they you know they they begin to sweat or they look nervous. But also there were the two other. Uh, things you know about I can't remember the, the exactly, but I think it's the heart rate, how fast the heart rate is going, and there was something else as well. I, the, I should remember this. The pupil dilating. Yes. Uh, I wonder if you could talk to us about that. How you came up with these two ideas for the interrogation as well? Did you come across this in research that you were doing for interrogations, or was this an idea that you guys had? So this was a long internal conversation about uh, what should be the indicators for these states. Essentially, what those gauges are more rather simulating is the real human uh, sense of these things you would have face to face, right? Because you're, you're, yet the people on the other side aren't hooked up to machines. They don't have wires going to their, to their pulse. So we wanted to simulate, look, in a real interrogation, you get a sense of how scared that other person is, how nervous they are. You can get a sense of these things. How do we give that to the player? And then we went to the most scientific of available options, uh, they are still a stretch, uh, as they are in a strictly scientific sense. Pupil dilation obviously doesn't perfectly correlate with uh, with uh, having a good time or openness, uh, nor does the pulse uh, perfectly correlate with uh, with uh, feeling uh, cornered. But we wanted to uh, get something that you do realistically have a sense of where the other person is, uh, and make it, again, as realistic as possible with the most scientific uh, approximation that a p- gamer can read. Yeah, and in the initial version, uh, honestly, we only had numbers, and then we turned that into uh, like a memory that you can get. It's called Profiler, uh, and you can kind of, to a certain extent, uh, add specific numbers, but we wanted for most players that don't pick a profiler to have these uh, both more diegetic kind of uh, meters, uh, but also meters that are not so easy to read, like they're not numbers. You can tell when there has been a degree of change, but not the specific amount of change, so that we keep it closer to how real life interrogators have hunches you know like intuitive an intuitive understanding of how these people are becoming more nervous so we're giving you a thingy that shakes on your screen faster and faster simulate that to a certain extent and uh yeah generally that was the point of the meters uh, to give you that certain intuitive feel that you can't give by just showing some animations. Yes, exactly, because, again, we know how comfortable and how relaxed or how nervous they are, again, based on their pupils or based on you know their pulse rate as well. That and Now, the tutorial, it explains very well 
uh, you know, the concept. And I thought, okay, no, I think I got this at least. You know, it's still challenging, but I know the concept behind it as well. I was never stuck, you know, I was never fighting with the game controls, trying okay. to understand that as well. So I did appreciate that. And now as well as the interrogation side of the, the game, you guys mentioned as well, there's the resource management, which now when I first heard of it, I, I'll admit that I thought, oh, no, I'm not usually that good at the resource management side. It usually takes a long time. But I did again appreciate in this game, or at least in the mode that I played, that it was, you know, you still had to think about where to bring the, what to, what to get the characters to do, but it wasn't overwhelming. So it was uh, really good. So I was wondering if you could uh, talk a little bit about this uh, in a bit more detail as well about how you get the other detectives to, you know, how you decide on what you get them to do as well. And again, how you guys came up with this idea as well. So, um, I don't know, uh, David or, or, or Andre? Yeah, yeah. Guess, yeah. So, like, uh, like, the starting point is life is a hard, challenging, difficult thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is even more so for people with, with in high stakes jobs. Uh, essentially, we made an index of all of the challenges a real interrogator is faced with. Uh, that are some management challenges, some personal challenges, some ethical challenges, uh, all of these pressures. And we wanted to have all those in the game represented. Because it's not like in movies in which uh, uh, a violent interrogator is just a violent interrogator because they're evil or because they're so cool and it works. Uh, typically, it's the pressures themselves that make you feel like you need to do more, like uh, too much is on the line, uh, that you're too crunched uh, by uh, all of these challenges pushed from all directions. And we wanted to have this accumulation of stress factors upon the player because it's easy to be ethical when you have infinite resources. It's easy to be ethical when uh, there's nothing you can fail. It's hard to be ethical when that uh, makes it uh makes you have less success or makes it harder to have success uh and all of these systems come in to do that uh your the motivation of your agents are are they feeling well engaged in ownership of the mission you're on uh how the press public and your bosses at the in the police and city hall how do they see you uh and all of that you interact with on a number of levels uh part of it is what you do in the interrogations but a bigger part of it is how do you word your press release? It's very important to exactly frame your actions. What did you intend by them? Uh, what did they actually mean? Uh, you do that in interviews and in directly talking to the press and uh, putting in words uh, all of the intent. Because a lot of what we like in gaming is when gaming gives us as players ownership. When I know it's my story with my intentions attached to it even if I'm technically speaking meeting the same monster everybody else is meeting in this adventure moment. But because I am thinking of my character's inner world and executing what how I see my protagonist, that increases the value of what I'm doing a lot, makes it highly personal. Uh, and all of these moments, uh, we want, want wanted to do that for the player. Uh, how do you see? Are they evil bad guys? Are they... Uh, people with a point? Are they misguided? Uh, Are they crazies? Uh, You get to decide your point of view, and deciding your point of view has mechanical consequences. Yeah. And and to a certain extent, well, 
So we've had people that are more used to other games ask us things like, you make me make this choice in this press release, but then you don't tell me what it does. How can I know if this will uh, make people happy? And to a certain extent, this is, uh, we want people to actually, so the whole point of pretty gaming and of interrogations, make people think about how kind of beyond what they usually think about. Um, and it's hard for you to actually consider how frustrating it must be for an actual member of law enforcement when they write the press release and the next day they see that there's a scandal in the press about what they said. And they're like, how in the world could you misinterpret that? But it does, it does happen uh, in reality. And uh, to a certain extent, this is uh, a, something we want to showcase in the game, you know, broaden the perspective about how the world works and try to showcase it more realistically than uh, in other, uh, let's say, forms of media. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're right about that. You know, how do how do we know? Uh, to, you know, how do we make the people happy? Well, that question of life, because as you say, the high stakes as well. Not only are you trying to capture these, well, terrorists, if you will, but you also have to deal with the press, you have to deal with your boss who wants results immediately, he wants to stop and this city mayor and public hall and then the public's perception of you as well. All of these things at once and then your own agents, the characters, are they motivated? And even you have to make decisions after some interrogations. Do you go out to the bar with the team or do you do this course on uh, working with press, <laughs> for example, which which I really appreciated as well because I was like, oh, what I want to go out with uh, them because then you know might keep them motivated or, but then how will I? I might make mistakes with the press then if I don't go to this course. So and, and I imagine okay, but it might be simplified. But that this, these are kind of decisions that real life investigators have to make as well. That do you go home early? Do you go out with your team, or do you work further? Um, you know, for your for your job as well. So, um, and actually about, about that, I meant to ask before as well. Um, I, I really like the characters in the game as well. Your your team as well. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the characters in the game. Who is on your team in this game? The, the agents you're initially given to work with, we wanted to illustrate types of police officers as well as them fitting tropes about the sort of police procedural uh, profiles of what uh, policemen types usually are in uh, stories of this type. So we wanted to have a mix of both uh, realism as well as that um, such a department actually has to be uh, of wide disciplines and that is why in the story you're given agents from different departments you get an organized crime uh police officer a homicide officer and a uh, uh more business and uh, information uh crimes officer uh and we wanted to have that mix so essentially the characters came together for all of these elements the tropes we want to execute from this type of fiction the expertise they would have and what their natural background would be um, and, of course, making them real people with real psychologies responding to, to real things. Also, of course, avoiding uh, making them cliches. 
Uh, we didn't want to make them simple, straightforward, uh, one-dimension characters, but actually give them, uh, and as much as we can within the game, uh, give them some nuance and depth. Yeah, and again, I think uh, you guys succeeded uh, with that as well. Uh, and I also liked, again, without spoiling anything, how sometimes the characters get involved uh, in the investigations themselves. Like, hmm, aren't they exactly who they are? Uh, you know, can, and then how you how you answer as well with the dialogue options as well. I found very interesting um, as well. And um, and then you know we spoke a little bit about you know the different idea. First of all, actually, I also liked how you mentioned how you didn't want it to be too realistic because in reality these interrogations could last up to eight hours or more. But then you introduced a time limit, at least in one of the modes, or in you know, the two modes as well. But they, again, it felt real because it felt like, okay, this bomb is going to go off in 10 minutes. So you need to find out, um, you know, before as well. So, um, But I wanted to ask about, again, the research that you guys did for this uh, different ideologies and for the Liberation Front, which is, for lack of a better word, a terrorist organization in this game. Because you also speak to a character in the game who's a lecturer and you speak about the different ideologies and you mention authors as well. So then I realized, then, oh, wow, this is, you know, a ton of research must have been done, um, you know, for this game as well. So I was wondering, uh, what type of research did you do for the different ideologies and for the liberation front in the game? So in terms of the actual ide- ideological political content, we, we specifically actually had to do less research than we had to do on the police stuff. Because we are um, we're debaters, we we practice academic debating and speeches, and um, how debate competitions work is that uh, a salient topic, something that's being debated, is given to the teams, and they have to debate for and against. And often these are topics that are charged politically, uh, or that can definitely be approached politically. So in our uh, discipline of being debaters for many years at international competitions and uh, championships, mastering uh, the rhetorics of various ideological um, categories and understanding the theory was something we already had onboarded. We didn't have to do that much research. Of course, we did some, uh, uh, we did some. But we already had a good understanding of um, the the many political creeds uh, that exist. And essentially, uh, we we don't push any conclusion uh, Mm -hmm. about a correct ideology or not. What the game maybe does and maybe uh, has bled from us is that uh, probably just radicalization itself, uh, dogmatic uh, embracing of any ideology, that is what is uh, probably dangerous. And also uh, instrumentalizable to a certain extent that if if there is something that um, we want to send as a message through interrogation is beware that uh, people may instrumentalize rhetorics um, both for because they believe maybe in an ideology, but also uh, for many other things. And uh, all of the uh, influences in our world, uh, be it uh, highly charismatic people that have a following uh, on wherever they are, uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Reddit, uh, politicians, all of these people, they 
are deliberate, just like the Liberation Front leaders are deliberate in what they say and how they put out their message and what type of, uh, I know, social uh, uh, awareness they try to create. Uh, and uh, like David said, we are people that come from having hundreds of hours of debating, uh, let's say, uh, done uh, many championships uh, won by studying how people do rhetorics. Uh, so uh, when David says we didn't do that much research, uh, we still did like <laughs> tens of hours of research <laughs> uh, on, uh, on these ideologies in particular, but we also have a background of I could go as far as saying thousands of hours of uh, both specific research, but also an uh, intuitive practice of uh, rhetorical argumentation and how does that affect people. Uh, so, yeah, we kind of put our backgrounds to use in the game. So, so you still did a lot of research. <laughs> yeah, 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 we still did. <laughs> no, but I think that's obvious in the game, you know, when you play it. So... Uh, that's, you know, because I thought, oh, wow, the the writers, they they do know what they're, you know, say kind of from both sides, you know, it's a debating part when you're debating with, with the lecturer or even in interrogations with uh, suspects when you're debating different ideologies with them. Uh, at least that's the approach that I went. Uh, when I replayed, I want to just go the other way where I turn off the recording and then start to physically intimidate and see what results you get as well. Um, and... I was wondering as well, because I know that you said you came up with this uh, studio to uh, to make games with these challenging topics as well. You don't push any agenda, but you do discuss and debate these topics that are certainly in the news nowadays. Were you at all concerned about what the reaction might be? Because, you know, nowadays they mentioned Reddit and, you know, Twitter and all that. People seem to be very highly charged, you know, on both sides, that one side or the other, that... Uh, you know, people seem to be in a constant state of outrage over something. So especially with uh, kind of, again, with these kind of topics, uh, was there at any moment where you guys were thinking, oh, maybe people might misunderstand the point of the game or maybe people mightn't take to it, you know? You know, was there any point where you're making a game that you might have felt like that? Or were you thinking, no, I want to, you know, this is the game we're going to make and whatever happens, happens? Um, I think we, we considered we considered, and uh, we were this considerate uh, when making the game to a certain mm. extent, uh, to a number of, of things. So, uh, first of all, we recognize this, uh, I don't want politics in my game kind of mentality that exists in the industry. So, uh, to a certain extent, this is why we were quite careful in, make, in showing the player clearly that we're not here to preach to them. Mm anything. We're not here to push our own agenda. Uh, we are here to let them explore a topic that is quite open-ended as it is. Uh, and we really did this with care because we wanted to for people to A, have a good time regardless of what are their actual beliefs uh, and more rather for them to not just reject anything that's coming from it or accept uh, unquestionably anything that's coming from it, but engage with it intellectually as much as possible. 
Uh, and secondarily, yeah, we kind of assume that there will be some people that might be upset. But honestly, uh, I could not, I don't think I know any real uh, I don't think, piece of media that uh, did push uh, uh, towards the growth in its particular uh, uh, medium without pushing some buttons. But of course, it's important uh, for you to offer a good experience for all players, not to be preachy, and we were careful. Yes, certainly. I think uh, from what I've read, at least the reaction has been good, has been positive. And I believe you guys won some awards as well. Um, did you win a, an award in Montreal, like Met or Montreal, or was that a different? Like, was, I think I saw Interrogation won an award as well. So he won different awards. So clearly, it's working with people. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think I would agree with that. That you, there is debate in the game, but there is no, uh, should I say, preachiness now. Um, you know, I I myself, you know, you're a fan of political games as well. I'm certainly nothing against that as such. But I think in this case, as you mentioned, you guys were very considerate, um, you know, not to say one way or the other uh, was the correct or incorrect way. Where can people find you guys online? Where can people find more about the game? So you can, first of all, find the game uh, currently on Steam, Humble, Bundle and GOG. It will be coming uh, to mobile uh, in the next couple of months and then uh, on to Switch as well. So that's where you'll be able to find the game. You can find us, uh, but also kind of the game uh, on Facebook and Twitter and Reddit. And I think we even have an Instagram account for Pretty Gaming, but honestly, not many games studios have much uh, online activity there on Instagram. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is where you can find us. Uh, just uh, kind of search for Critique Gaming or Interrogation. You will be deceived and uh, you will find us. And hopefully you won't be deceived with the link. So. <laughs> uh, um, no, well, thank you very much. And also, uh, are you planning on making a second game in this universe? Or do you have any ideas what game you want to make next? We're looking at a number of options. The universe uh, remains open in case we want to uh, visit it uh, again. Uh, we want to see more of how interrogation will do. Uh, the more people play it, the more likely it is for it to have some sort of follow-up. But we also want to look at lots of different topics. Uh, interrogation is a noir setting uh, and not uh, noir isn't fit for all topics. There are other topics we might want to look at that ha request other genres and therefore other universes. And uh, there's lots of topics we're looking at studying in our in our coming games, uh, such as the impact of AI, or uh, we're from Romania, the Romania's communist past, uh, all sorts of uh, elements we were interested in. And it's really hard to pick. Yeah, no, they all sound like fascinating ideas. Well, I'm here for it. I've really loved interrogation. <laughs> so thank you very much much guys thank you oh that was my interview with david and andre from critique gaming i hope you enjoyed it and thank you again to david and andre for the great interview that they gave and for speaking to me and i hope to speak to them again soon and i look forward to seeing what they do next now if you want to hear more from david and andre if you want to if you have played a game and you would like to hear more about the game, you can hear a spoiler special, which they also did with me, 
where they talk about the well, third act stuff, about different endings and about different things that can happen to you depending on what choices you make in the game. So it's a, it was a really fun interview as well. So you can find out more about that on patreon.com forward slash adventure games podcast. And you can consider if you would like to help support us, it would be really, really helpful because this is an independent podcast. We pay for everything ourselves. So any little bit of help would be appreciated. And then we try and do our best to give you as many exclusive uh, content as possible. And if you are unable to support us through Patreon, that is no problem whatsoever. But you can support us in other ways. You can review this uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would also really help get the word out about this podcast and about developers such as Critique Gaming uh, who appear on the podcast as well. You can also share the link to the podcast on social media and on different places as that would also really help get the word out. So thanks again uh, to everybody listening. It is really appreciated, all the kind words that people send to us. And yeah, so next week I'll be joined as always by Thomas and Laura as we will be reviewing the latest adventure games that we've been playing. So hope everyone is well. Thanks again for listening. Take care. Until next week. Goodbye. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a Adventure Game developer or a Adventure Game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you